This morning, the prophet Isaiah chapter 2. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that He may teach us His ways, and that we may walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. In our last sermon series, we read through some of the minor prophets, those books in the Hebrew Scriptures of the Old Testament that are shorter in length. They had words and visions for us in terms of how to live lives of faith. But this month, we're going to be looking at Isaiah, one of the major prophets, that is, one of the ones who wrote some of the longer books. In fact, his prophetic writings are the longest of the prophetic books. We'll be reading from Isaiah each of these Sundays leading up to our celebration of Christmas next month. We did not read in chapter 1, but in chapter 1, Isaiah begins to tell his people, we have some problems, we have some serious problems here. He goes on the attack and says, we are not being faithful worshipers, we're not being faithful followers of God. And he says, part of the problem is, is that our worship is inauthentic. And it's inauthentic because what we say when we come to the Lord's house and then what we do on the other days of the week do not match. We are not consistent in proclaiming and then following God. Isaiah is harsh as he writes to these people. Our best biblical scholars tell us it is a difficult time in which Isaiah is writing. Around the year 700 BCE or before the Common Era or the time before Christ. The scholars tell us that this was a time where foreign powers were coming and surrounding the Jewish people. In fact, by this time they say the Assyrians had come from the north and overtaken the northern tribes or the northern kingdom that Isaiah is writing from the area called Judah, the area around Jerusalem, where the southern kingdom was still intact. But they could feel the pressure of these foreign powers. They knew that there were others who would like to come and take over their area as well. So the Hebrews, the Hebrew people are divided among themselves and under attack from others who live around them. It is a difficult time. 
Isaiah is trying to inspire his people to encourage them to be more faithful. He sees their lack of faith of one of the reasons they're in such trouble with these foreign powers. But by the time he gets to chapter 2, where we began to read, he begins to paint this wonderful vision of what could come to pass in the days to come, what God wants to do among His people and for His people. And Isaiah is trying to help his people understand that their faith is important. And in fact, they could be a role model for all the other peoples, all the other nations, as Isaiah calls them. And that in fact, if they would do so, others would come and that they would be experience a great blessing and they could live as people in peace. If only they could see this vision that God is speaking through him. Let me read you a couple of those verses again. Verse 2 and 3 where Isaiah begins to share this vision that has come from God. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that He may teach us His ways, and that we may walk in His paths. Dr. Bruce Birch one of our biblical scholars teaching at Wesley Theological Seminary, our seminary, the United Methodist Church in Washington, D.C. Dr. Birch says, this is not a political claim about Jerusalem ruling other people, but is a spiritual vision that Isaiah is receiving this word from God of a spiritual nature of what could happen if all the people would recognize that this high place, this place of worship, is a place of wisdom and guidance. And if people would begin to make that the center of their lives and the center of their decision-making, when all people began to look to God and let God be the one that leads them into the future, then there would be a reign of peace, not only for the Jews, for the Israelites, but for all the peoples of the earth, for all of that area. Isaiah sees a better future for his people, and it involves all the other people around him as well. Oh, it comes from a particular God, from the Lord or Yahweh, but it's not just for the Jews, it's for all people. It would be a blessing of peace for all the people in the area, all the nations, as Isaiah says. Dr. Biggs recommended a book to me by a fellow named Rabbi Jonathan Sachs a while ago, The Dignity of Difference. It is a wonderful book. He covers lots of territory. But at one place, he's talking about how the God of the Jews sees humanity. And as I read over it, a couple of weeks ago, and then read this passage from Isaiah more recently, I thought this really can help us understand this vision that Isaiah is painting. I want to read you a few lines from Rabbi Sachs' book. He writes, Judaism believes in one God, but not in one exclusive path to salvation. 
The God of the Israelites is the God of all humankind, but the demands made of the Israelites are not asked of all humankind. Judaism's ancient sages maintain that the pious of the nations have a share in the world to come. He begins to show different themes in the Hebrew Scriptures that talk about this. And then he says, as further evidence of this view, two of the Bible's heroic women, Tamar and Ruth, are not Israelites. The first is a Canaanite, the second a Moabite. Yet each has a place of honor in Israel's history, and both are ancestors of its greatest king, David. Rabbi Sachs then asked this question, how does such an idea arise and what does it imply? He answers, God, the creator of humanity, having made a covenant with all humanity, then turns to one people and commands it to be different, teaching humanity to make space for difference. God may at times be found in the human other the one not like us biblical monotheism is not the idea that there is one god and therefore one gateway to his presence to the contrary it is the idea that the unity of god is to be found in the diversity of creation that helps me understand how Isaiah can have this vision from a particular God and yet believe that it's a blessing for all of humankind. These visions from Isaiah and some of the other prophetic works are adopted by the early church to help them understand what God was doing in Jesus of Nazareth, how God was making a proclamation through this baby that was to be born. It was going to happen in a certain place in a certain time, but it's going to be a proclamation for all of humanity. As you begin to read through these visions from the prophetic writers and then read the Gospels, you begin to hear the echoes of the prophets throughout the Gospels. I want to give you just one example. As we've read from Isaiah, I'm going to flip over to the Gospel of John, just read you the first few verses and see if you do not hear the echoes of Isaiah's vision being captured by John. He writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, or for Isaiah's purposes, you could say all peoples, came into being through Him. And without Him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life. And the life was the light of all people. Do you see how both Isaiah and the Gospel of John are writing about the way to life, the path to life, how they should focus on God, and when they do, their experience will be one of light. They both use this image of light. Did you hear it right at the end of the passage we read from Isaiah? In the fifth verse, he says, Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And then John finishes his first paragraph in verse 5 and says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. 
in both Isaiah and John. The writers point out that not all people see or recognize the light. Isaiah makes it very clear in the very first chapter that not, not all people are responding to this vision that he has received. Not all people are worshiping faithfully and following God faithfully. John says it more succinctly in the 10th verse of the very first chapter. He says, as he's talking about this word that's coming into the world and helped create the world, he was in the world. And the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. Isaiah and John have so many parallels. They both see this vision of what God is doing in the world. And they both realize that some see it and some do not. Some respond and some do not. In the book I mentioned earlier by Rabbi Sachs, he talks about the immense choices that lie in front of us that will determine our future as a planet. He describes two different scenarios. He says, in one, the human family is prospering, that the global communication network has helped bridge the differences between people and advances in healthcare and education are being shared around the planet that we have found a way to work together, that everyone is able to find meaningful work and adequate wages, and the human family flourishes. But he says that's just one possibility. It could also happen that global communication breaks down and terrorism reigns and advances in health care are not shared around the world. And education is not offered to all people. And lots of people cannot find meaningful work and adequate wages. And the world will stand, he says, on the dawn of a new dark age. He says, we have a choice. Rabbi Sachs, the Gospel of John, the prophet Isaiah are all saying we have a choice between light and dark. We have a choice to follow God's lead and to live into God's vision or not. Isaiah sees it. It could be a time of peace for his people and all the people around, but he realizes not everyone can see it. This season, this Christian season of Advent, a season of preparation, invites us to see the vision, to watch and to wait and to pray for God's presence and vision and leading. If we want to open the gift of light in our lives, Advent reminds us that we have to watch and wait and pray for God to lead us into this future that God envisions each week as we go through these readings from isaiah he's given in those visions some specific things for his people to do i'm going to give us some specific things to consider in terms of what we might do 
in our preparations for Christmas. I want to share just a couple of specific actions that you might consider taking during Advent. Just like Isaiah paints the vision of people streaming to the house of the Lord, coming to the place of worship, the place to meet and experience God's presence. What if we all took our vow as members here so seriously that we did not allow anything to get in the way of us being in the house of the Lord on a Sunday, that we had as our top commitment to be here to worship together. I begin to think, what if all of our members took this seriously and were here every week? We would not be able to seat everyone in the sanctuary if we could sense and see and respond this vision that Isaiah paints of going to the house of the Lord and making that the center of our lives. Isaiah promises that we would experience light and life and peace. So that might be something some of us could do is raise worship and coming to church up on the list of priorities and put it on the top. I also thought of how Isaiah shares this vision with his people. He not only receives it from God, but he begins to proclaim it to others around him. And I thought, what if when we were in conversation with our friends and neighbors and co-workers and somebody was sharing with us how they were going to spend the holidays, we would make sure that we shared with them how we celebrate the holidays and how we understand that worship is part of how you celebrate Christmas. That coming to church is an important part of how we respond to God and experience abundant life and wonderful celebrations of family and faith in this time. I thought, what if when we were talking with people and somebody was sharing with us how this holiday season was going to be difficult for them for one reason or another, that we were ready to share our faith. We were ready to say, well, we know a place of love and welcome and healing. And we offer an invitation for them to come and worship with us here. Why not invite them to join us? Why not invite them into this family of God as we prepare for the birth of this Christ child that we proclaim brings life and light to all the people why not extend that invitation to some others so that they could come and experience it for themselves? There will be opportunities. I guarantee you there will be opportunities come your way in the next few weeks where you could share your faith or share an invitation and help someone else open that gift of light that God is offering to them. I mean, you could share your mailer with someone. It lists all the details in there for somebody, all the times that they're invited to come. Or in a few weeks, we're going to have a little business-sized card that lists all the times of the Christmas Eve services. You could take one of those and offer it to a friend or neighbor so they could plan how their family could be a part of Christmas Eve and Christmas morning worship. So many ways, so many options. But Isaiah reminds us we have a choice to make. The Gospel of John reminds us we have a choice to make. Isaiah invites his people and invites us to say, Come, let us walk in the light. Amen. And thanks be to God.